It is getting on with life that makes our lives. And that procrastination, in a very real sense, is an existential issue of not getting on with life itself. Welcome to the One You Feed Shortcast. I'm Eric Zimmer. In this shortcast, you'll hear from a range of experts, thought leaders, and authors about the practical tools they use in their daily lives to suffer less and live with more joy, love, and fulfillment. Or put simply, how to feed their good wolf. Our guest in this episode is Tim Sitchell, Associate Professor of Psychology, host of the I Procrastinate podcast, and author of a book called Solving the Procrastination Puzzle, A Concise Guide to Strategies for Change. I've read it myself, and let me tell you, it really opened my eyes to the psychology behind why we procrastinate and how we can overcome it. But without delay, let's start with a parable. There are two wolves inside of us, a good wolf and a bad wolf. The good wolf represents kindness, bravery, and love. The bad wolf represents greed, hatred, and fear. The one that wins is the one you feed. I asked Tim what this means to him. It fits my research so much in the sense that uh, even the most recent research we've seen come out of Germany using functional magnetic resonance imaging on the difference in brains between those who procrastinate and those who don't, uh, we see that the amygdala is larger uh, and it's about fear. Each one of us experiences procrastination to some degree at some time. And for those of us who pride ourselves on our productivity, procrastination feels especially bad. But what is it? Tim says procrastination is essentially putting off our lives. Because the things we procrastinate on are the things we want to do or know must be done. The first step in overcoming this tendency to procrastinate is to be deeply committed to authoring the stories of our own lives. And this can come from an appreciation that our lives are full of opportunities and the common bottleneck to fulfilling them is time. The one non-renewable resource we have in our lives is time. You and I don't know how much we're going to have, but we know we can't make any more of it. And I think that's probably why in every great world religion, there's some notion of the uh, sin of sloth because you can't waste this thing called life. And with procrastination, you know, for me, it's not a matter of becoming some uber productive earning machine, but a person who lives the life he or she wants to uh, achieves the goals that he or she wants to achieve and doesn't kind of stew on his own juices in the guilt and shame that so commonly defines procrastination. So a big part of overcoming procrastination is taking control of your life. Many people think the cause of procrastination is poor time management, but actually it's about emotional management. When we procrastinate, we're trying to delay a task we think will be stressful, boring, or some other negative emotion by engaging in something that brings us temporary joy. The problem with that, of course, is that procrastination is the worst of both worlds. We're neither doing what we ought to do nor fully enjoying ourselves. And of course, we still need to do what we've been delaying. 
This self-deception is really easy to fall into because, frankly, we have a hard time empathizing with our future selves. Dan Gilbert at Harvard University studied a great deal about affective forecasting. We know what weather forecasting is, trying to predict what the weather is going to be like tomorrow. Affective forecasting is how are we going to feel tomorrow? And what he's learned through his research is that we rely on the present to predict the future. So we all know what it's like to go grocery shopping when you're hungry versus when you're full. <laughs> your cart looks distinctly different. When you're hungry, you're pulling a second cart full of your favorite snacks. And when you just finished a big meal when you're going shopping, you go, oh, I don't need so much milk this week. And again, we're predictably irrational. So how that applies to procrastination is that that moment when you decide, no, I'm not going to do this today, how do you feel? Well, when I give talks to students or general audiences, the first word that comes to mind is relief. And then many other people just say, I feel good. So then when you use that momentary feeling to predict how you're going to feel tomorrow, you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to feel like it tomorrow. So there's one cognitive bias that leads us to believe I'm going to want to do this tomorrow. But more importantly, it was some work by Hal Hirschfield at UCLA, who's used functional magnetic resonance imaging to look at the brains of people while they were thinking about either their present self, their future self, or a stranger. And to make a long story short, what he learned was that the areas of the brain that are active when we think about present self are different than when we think about future self. In fact, the areas of the brain that are active when we think about a stranger are the same areas that's processing information about the future self. So we seem to think about future self like a stranger. It's not just you. Our future self can seem like a distant stranger, even if it's only our tomorrow self. One way we can defeat procrastination is to try and identify with our future selves. In one experiment Tim talks about, people who were shown pictures of themselves aged were more likely to save more money for retirement. Whatever works for you, it's important to remember the troubles of present you are often from past you, and you don't have to pay it forward. If you still don't identify with your future self, Tim says there's another strategy that might work. I would say to people, a key thing is just get started. And people would say to me, Tim, if I could just get started, I wouldn't have a procrastination problem. That's not very helpful. And so as I thought through that and looked at how we think about getting started, the question then becomes, what's the next action? And I keep that action as small as possible. So it's a very low threshold for engagement so that I look at it and go, well, who couldn't do that? And that primes the pump for going. When I get home from work, the moment I get home, I'm going to put on my running shoes and walk back outside the door. That might be as much as I have to say to myself to get me started. Now, the interesting thing about how predictably irrational human beings are is that as much as some of us almost fight with ourselves to get started, 10 minutes later, we're on the run and we think we could be in the next Olympics. <laughs> we're just, it's just so crazy. You know, we think now I could run forever. It feels so good. I don't know where we get this belief as adults, but we seem to have this belief that we have to be in the mood to do something, that motivation precedes action. And it's often the other way around. In fact, social psychologists showed us years ago that uh, attitudes can actually follow behaviors, not behaviors following attitudes. And it's so true of motivation. In fact, there's some very interesting research that shows even a little progress on a goal fuels our well-being, which is a great thing considered what the procrastination is typically that downward spiral. So it's really the antidote in some ways to 
How do I get out of this trap? Well, a little bit of progress fuels our motivation. We don't wait for the mood or the muse. Uh, We'll be waiting there a long time. So if you feel like your life is getting out of control, one reason could be that procrastinating is sucking your time away. To beat procrastination, remember to start small and your actions will prime your motivation. Not only will you start to see that the momentum begins to carry you, but your future self will thank you. I want to thank Tim Sitchell for reminding us to stop procrastinating and get on with our lives. If you're interested in learning more about this, have a read of Tim's book, Solving the Procrastination Puzzle, a concise guide to strategies for change. Also, if you liked this episode, click follow and leave us a rating in the app. I'm Eric Zimmer, and thank you for listening to the shortcast of The One You Feed. Until next time, take care.